Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Isabel. I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. Um, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Isabel, and I'm a pit stop leader here at IES Teens. Um, I'm also really involved in doing movie nights, so I'd love to see you guys at movie night one day. Um, a little bit about me. I also graduated from IES Teens in 2015. Um, and then I moved here to the States where I'm recording from today in Seattle um, for college. And I have been here uh, ever since. Uh, so I'm so excited to bring the word of God to you guys today. Um, and I'm excited to learn and grow in our faith together. So uh, before I kind of launch into everything I got here for you today, um, let us pray. So let's bow our head, close our eyes. Um, dear God, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for bringing us here together to be able to learn more about you um, and to just become more like you, dear God. I pray that um, everything that will be said here today, dear God, and the stories that will be read and the scripture that will be read be able to touch the hearts of everyone listening and let them learn to be more like you, dear God. I also pray, want to pray for myself. Just give me the peace and the calmness to be able to do this and deliver um, what you have put on my heart to deliver, dear God. We thank you so much for today. Thank you for bringing us here together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so when I moved to the States for college, one of the kind of most powerful things I learned when I started going to church is I had a pastor who would just sit in chapel and he would open up his Bible and then he would straight read like whole books of the Bible um, or whole stories. And then he'd close the Bible and walk away. Um, and I think it was really powerful for me because a lot of the stuff that I thought the Bible said, when it was put in context like that, it didn't, it didn't make the same, it didn't have the same, like I didn't have the same meaning. Um, even for like stories like the Esther, you know, the book of Esther, they don't mention God. Like God, they don't talk about God. They don't talk about, you know, what God's doing yet. He's the main character of the story, and in everything that all of the people do, he's always, you know, it's like he's shown. Um, but it was so interesting to me that, you know, never brought him up. Um, I think the other really interesting story that showed up to me, and what I'm going to end up talking about today, is uh, the book of Jonah. And the story of Jonah, which I'm sure a lot of us have heard in kids' church or um, in church before, it's kind of, you know, one of those stories where a dude gets swallowed by a fish and the fish spits him out, you know, and it's a, it's, it's a great story that we tell um, in kids' church. But if you go back and you actually read what the book of Jonah says, it's not that it's different, but there's just more. You know, God is trying to tell a bigger story than just, you know, he'll save us from drowning with a big fish. Um, so today I want to do a very similar thing that my pastor did then, which is I'm just going to read through the whole whole book of Jonah. So we're going to go through all four chapters today. Um, and if you want to read along with me, uh, please uh, feel free to do that. We're going to be reading in the NLT. And then once I do that, I'll have some thoughts. But I'm going to move my giant book thing here just so that I can read closer to the screen. Um, but yeah, some quick background on Jonah real quick. Uh, Jonah is a prophet uh, in the reign of Jeroboam in 8th century BC. Um, also, fun fact, so the city of Nineveh, which is like the main city that Jonah is going to in the story, is someplace that we actually know where it is today. It's in modern-day Iraq. 
Um, but we don't know exactly where Jonah was coming from or where he was escaping to. Um, or does it, the Bible say like what body of water he's talking about? Well, but we can deduce it's probably the Mediterranean Sea. Um, so yeah, just some fun facts. And so I'm going to read to you and I might stop in the middle um, here and there to mention some thoughts. Um, and then I will close in prayer and we will be done here today. Um, so yes, uh, Jonah chapter one NLT. Jonah runs from the Lord. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amnitai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Okay, side note, sidebar here. Already bad vibes from Jonah. You know, Jonah's a prophet running away from what God tells him to. Not good vibes. Okay. I will continue. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the seas, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time... Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold, so the captain went down to him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Side note, I think that's really funny, because you realize he's just like, oh yeah, I worship the God of the sea and the land, and yet here he is on the sea, thinking he can run away from God. Just saying, I think that's funny. Okay, anyway, let's continue. Uh, the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this is a terrible, this terrible storm is all my fault. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds like taking the easy way out again. Not going to Nineveh. Throwing himself over the ship. Still not doing what God called him to do. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get to the ship to land. And the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then the sailors picked up, picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Wow. 
Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Um, just an aside, we're going to go on to Jonah chapter two, but fun fact, uh, if the sea was the Mediterranean, which we think there is, there is no fish that could have been that big that lives in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, just because like, it's not a big enough body of water to sustain a fish that big. Um, so I think it's pretty cool because if there was a, if you know, there's a fish this big, that means God either got a fish that's in, you know, the ocean and got it to swim all the way to, you know, into the Mediterranean Sea, like all the way, like almost all the way because um, Nineveh is like so far uh, into the Mediterranean Sea. Or God made like a giant fish appear in the water. I think either way is really cool. So just thought I'd mention that. But okay, Jonah chapter two, Jonah's prayer. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called out to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows. For my salvation comes from the, lo the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit out Jonah onto the beach. So here we go. We just read Jonah's prayer. And Jonah here promises to fulfill the vows that God has called him to do, right? Go to Nineveh. Jonah chapter three, Jonah goes to Nineveh. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. God gave him another chance. Oh. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Okay, this next part of the story is a really big deal. So fun, another more fun facts. Uh, this sermon that Jonah is about to preach is one of the shortest sermons in the Bible. In Hebrew, it is five words in English and date. Um, and just, you know, pay attention to what he says and like the reaction, okay, big deal. So on the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal clothes, robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. 
People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry the destruction that he had threatened. Jonah chapter 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry. Side note, very interesting. Getting very angry that people are getting saved. Hmm. Anyway, I will continue. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Another translation says, people who don't know their right hand from their left hand. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And that's it. That's how it ends. We never know what happened to Jonah. We never learned if he learned his lesson and stopped complaining. Um, we never found out like what happened in the city of Nineveh after they all repented to the Lord. But I think the message that God is trying to get to us is not about the conclusion of the story, but about his character along the different ways. So here are some of the things that stuck out to me from reading this. Jonah in the story was the person of God. Yet he was the person who consistently didn't act like it. The sailors on the boat, once they saw God's power, they repented. The people of Nineveh, when they heard a lame five-word sermon, they repented. Jonah 
just wasn't acting like how you would think a character in the Bible would act. Another thing, that God really cared about reaching the people of Nineveh. Even if the person he had sent, you know, ran away, he really cared to get people there. I think God took extra special care to reach out to the people of Nineveh, but he also used this as an opportunity to reach and save Jonah. So I think for us in our lives, there are several different things here that we can learn. Um, the first one being, we can't mess up the plan that God has for us. Not even Jonah could mess up the plan that God had for his life. God was determined to save the people of Nineveh. And Jonah even tried to kill himself. He was like, oh, hey, let, like, you know, let's jump off a boat. Like, throw me off the boat so I don't have to go to, you know, don't have to go to Nineveh. Yet, God got Jonah out of that too. And God saved Jonah from himself. I think this is a really big deal for me and in my life, and I think for you guys too, is because we can often get swept up in some of our big decisions. I remember when I was a teenager, the biggest decision that I had to make was where I was going to go to college. You know, I think I spent like three years freaking out about like, oh my gosh, where am I going to go? Like, what city am I going to go? Where am I going to live? Like, what am I going to study? Um, and before that, it was like, oh my gosh, what IB classes I'm going to take? Like, if I take the wrong math class next year, then like, by the time I graduate, I'll not like to be strong enough in math. But I think the big thing is I was just really afraid of making the wrong decision. It wasn't that I couldn't make one. I was just afraid, you know, fearful. Like, what if you mess up? What if you mess up your life? But I think the thing that we can learn here from this story is that you and I are not powerful enough to mess up the plan that God has for our lives. We can get on boats and we can run away. You know, we can be super moody and preach really bad sermons, but God will not forsake us, nor will he leave us alone. We cannot mess up the plan that he has for our lives. So I think sometimes putting Jesus first and putting God first in your life is relinquishing the power and the control to God because he is the ultimate creator. He's the one who writes our story. God is on our side and we can't mess that up. He would not leave Jonah alone. He would not leave Nineveh alone. And he will not leave us alone. I think number two. We can do what God has called us to do. And we can still really miss the point. Jonah had such a bad attitude, you know. He did not do what God asked him to do. And yet, you know, he didn't do what God asked him to do in the beginning. And it, he went through a whole debacle. But in the end, he did it. But the thing is, is that he never stopped complaining. He did not ever get a good attitude. He complained, you know, he gave a bad sermon. He then showed up and like complained about a plant and like went and sat around and waited for the destruction of the city. He constantly made it harder for himself. Just imagine the difference it would have made if Jonah showed up and just rejoiced in what the Lord was doing, you know? He even said, like, he knew that God was going to save them. And so that's why he was so upset, because he just didn't really want God to save them. And then in the end, if you realize, Jonah probably just ended up, you know, sitting there in the middle of the desert, really mad, really hot, and he probably had a really bad sunburn, 
because he was sitting in the desert and, you know, the hot wind. So my question to you is, are you just going to sit by and be upset while God accomplished what he's going to accomplish anyways? Third thing. It is not about the delivery of God's word. It's about God's word. One thing my friend really challenged me one day was she said to me, Isabel, are you more focused on the fact that the mountains are moving than the God who is moving the mountains? You know, Jonah said five words. Five words. That's ten. Five words. And it brought a whole entire city, 120,000 people to their knees. Even the animals. Even the animals fasted. It is not about how you deliver it. It's about what God is actually saying. I even really had to learn this today for myself. I was really freaking out about preaching. Um, And I talked to my mom and she said, Isabel, it's not about how good you deliver it or what you say. It's about God's message and what he is trying to convey through you. It's not about you. So let's look at this. What do these things actually mean for us? Firstly, I think we know through the story of Jonah that we can trust the next chapter of our life because we know the author. Whether it be what school you're going to go to next year, or what uni that you're going to go to, what class you're going to take, you know that you can leave it because there's nothing that you can do that will mess up God's plan for your life. You know how the book ends. Number two, you can follow God and still have a bad attitude, but you can choose joy and happiness instead. And finally, put God's word in your life first. Whether it's either reading a Bible plan or joining a soap group or just connecting with your leaders and asking them to pray for you and encourage you and send you scripture. It's important to keep the main thing the main thing. God's word changes lives. And it's not about how it's delivered or presented but it's about the truth of the message. So I would like to close in prayer. And if you all would join me. Dear God, we thank you for today. And we thank you for bringing us here together to be able to learn to be more like you, dear God, and to be um, just to soften our hearts to the things that you want to soften our hearts to. Um, I pray for everyone here, dear God, just let them grow to become greater people of God and more like you soften their hearts so that they um, learn to have patience and that they learn to give you control, dear God. I also pray that you give them the ability and the opportunity to relinquish worry and pain and suffering and just choosing joy and happiness in everything that they do, dear God. I also pray that you give them focus, dear God, on the words that you have said and spoken in the Bible. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.